Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Monday, May 16th, 2022. And today will be better than yesterday. I'm Buster Olney. I'm working in my home office in New York after returning from watching my daughter's graduation in Cleveland yesterday. Taylor Schwink is, is in his home studio in his new home in the foothills of Connecticut. Sarah Abbott is in Bristol. And before we got going, guys, we, we were doing... Uh, college graduation confessions and sarah you gave us a great story from your college graduation that i'm going to beg you to tell right now oh goody yeah so this is from my undergrad at nebraska westland university so yip yip um my last name is abbott abb so i'm always first for everything and one of my best friend's last names starts with a b so we were under the impression we were going to be sitting right next to each other So we went to the little gas station and got like the barefoot champagnes to sneak in our sleeves to drink during the ceremony and just, you know, have fun. We did it. We made it. Um, And then somehow I got put in the very, very, very front row, separated from her, right in front of the president of our university. And I'm like holding on to this little champagne in my robe for dear life as I'm shaking his hand, like begging that no one notices and just, whoo, that was the scariest interaction of my life walking across that stage. And of course I'm first. So my poor parents had to sit through that whole ceremony afterwards as I've already been called. Uh, yeah, I, when you told me that story, I'm like, yeah, it, it would be the fear would be that you're gonna drop that little bottle as you're going through. But Taylor, I get the feeling like you could carry a keg onto the stage when you <laughs> went through your graduation, got your diploma. I um so I blew off the big ceremony because I was hungover so I, I went <laughs> to the smaller one and uh, I I kept it classy there although you know I've I've been known to uh, stash a couple beers in my pockets for uh, for events like that so uh, you weren't totally off base but uh, didn't do anything too crazy for for my ceremony wow. All right. Well, the Cincinnati Reds are having a rough season, and Sunday provided the roughest moment. Hunter Green and Art Warren combined for what everyone would normally classify a no-hitter. But the Reds lost. Green was dominant in his stuff. Green now waiting for Van Meter to get in. He's ready to go. And strike three on the corner. Van Meter can't believe it. He's going to lose that argument. Green's going to get another strikeout. Nine on the day. That from 700 WLW, but you know what? Despite the fact that the Pirates didn't get any hits, they did draw some walks, and this happened. The 2-1 from Warren. Hayes chops it on the ground to second base. They'll go on to second and get one. The relay is late, and the Pirates have a 1-0 lead. They score before their first hit, and they own the advantage over the Reds here in the eighth inning. What a weird game. That from Sports Radio 93.7, the fan. Uh, here's the call at the end of the eighth inning. And Warren delivers the pitch, and Reynolds pops it into the air. Left side of the infield. Under it is Matt Reynolds. He will make the catch on the back edge of the infield, and the inning is over. So the Pirates are still hitless through eight innings, but they have the lead. It is one to nothing Pittsburgh as we go to the ninth. Last chance for the Reds coming up. Here's what the final out sounded like on the Pirates radio network. Ben Narsets is 3-2. Swinging a ground ball to second. Van Meter slides from his knees, throws him out, and the Pirates have been no hit, and they've never been happier. 
one to nothing. High fives all around after the Pirates have been no hit. For only the sixth time in Major League Baseball history's modern era has a team not had a hit and had high fives afterward. How about what it sounded like on the Reds radio network? That's all. Reds fall. Friedel flirting with a base hit. But Josh Van Meter, the former Red, who was on the verge of ejection earlier in the game, makes a fine play deep in the hole at second, taking the hit away from T.J. Friedel and ending this ball game in a one nothing Reds defeat. Now you know that Tim Kirkchin is going to have some thoughts about this because he loves really weird stuff in baseball. He's going to be coming up in a little bit. Angels and the Athletics, Shohei Otani did it again. And here's the next pitch, and he swings at that one and blasts the ball deep into right center field. It is out of here. Otani drills one out. Otani's eighth home run of the season. Angels have a 2-0 lead, and on this Sunday, it's showtime. That from Terry Smith, Angels Radio, AM 830. Angels win that game 4-1. Otani has a moment. But it wasn't the most talked about moment involving Otani over the weekend on social media. We'll be talking about that with Tim Kirchin and Sarah Langs. Dodgers and Phillies. This was an incredible series of two teams going back and forth. Tons of runs scored. Here's what happened in the bottom of the ninth inning. Here's the pitch. Taylor goes line drive, base hit in the right field. In to score is Bellinger. Here comes Taylor, and the Dodgers walk it off. That from Charlie Steiner, AM570 LA Sports. The Yankees continue to be red hot, and Joey Gallo pitched in on Sunday. Runner goes. That one's driven deep to right field. There it goes. See ya. A two-run home run for Gallo. And the Yankees lead 5-1. to one. Michael Kay on the Yes Network. Uh, we've got the White Sox and the Yankees coming up on Sunday Night Baseball next weekend. Seattle Mariners manager Scott Service said a couple of players won't make the trip for three-game series. It starts in Toronto on Monday. He didn't identify the players will not be making that trip. Presumably, we're going to find out later today. The Mets say that they placed Taylor McGill on the injured list with right lat inflammation. He will undergo an MRI. ESPN confirmed a report by The Athletic that Trevor Bauer's appeal will begin to be heard later this month. It's set to start on May 23rd because of all the witnesses, et cetera, that are going to be called. It could go on for months. The Detroit Tigers have gotten off to a terrible start, but they had a really nice weekend against the Orioles. Miguel Cabrera got them started in the bottom of the second. Wells works from the stretch, places that left foot in front of the right, 6-8 righty. Into this delivery, fly ball, left center. This one's deep. This one's got a chance, and this ball is gone. Miguel Cabrera is heating up with the extra base power. Number three, and the Tigers take a 1-0 lead in the second. Dan Dickerson, 97.1, the ticket. Detroit wins that game 5-1. Sunday Night Baseball was in St. Louis. The Giants and the Cardinals. And Paul Goldschmidt had a great night. Swing and a high fly ball. Well struck left field. That one on its way and gone into Big Mackland. Paul Goldschmidt into that third level down there. A home run is fourth of the year. And just like that, the Cardinals 
have jumped on top of the lefty Rodon. It is 2-0 St. Louis. That was Boog Shami on ESPN Radio. He did the game with Doug Glanville. It was fun driving across Pennsylvania and listening to those two guys in what was a blowout. Nolan Arenado chipped in. The 1-0. Swing and a high fly ball down the left field line. That one towards the corner. That one's back and it's gone! Nolan Arenado is eighth of the year and it is all Cardinals here tonight. Eventually, the lead grew to 15-2. to two. So in the ninth inning, Albert Pujols, future Hall of Famer, made his first career appearance at pitcher. This is what happened. Swing and a high fly ball right field. Going back, Carlson at the wall, and it's gone. So the pitcher slash outfielder homers off the pitcher and future Hall of Famer Albert Pujols. Yeah, that was a really funny note by Boog. Luis Gonzalez actually came in to pitch in this game because it was a blowout for the Giants, and he hits home run as a pitcher. Sarah's got a really interesting note about that coming up. But Albert recovered, and this is how it sounded. Swing and a ground ball left side. Donovan up with it over to first ball game. Albert pulls a big smile on his face. He takes the baseball, hugs in the center of the diamond, a blowout win for the Cardinals. And the future Hall of Famer finishes it off on the mound. Taylor, what else you got? Buster, we had a very exciting, maybe slightly anticlimactic weekend in the NBA, but a lot of Game 7s, and we're on to the conference finals now. The Low Post, Swagoon Perk, they're all going to be covering that. And uh, I know it's not college basketball season, but uh, Baldman on campus, they're talking to Jay Wright this afternoon. Very excited to have him on with Jay Billis and Seth Greenberg. Check all of those shows out wherever you listen to podcasts. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes. The clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, 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 with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Seam heads rejoice. This is Timmy time. Baseball is the greatest game. With Tim Kirkshen. It never disappoints you. On Baseball Tonight. Tim Kirchner, who covers baseball for ESPN. Uh, and Tim, thank you for uh, stepping in to uh, my very small shoes in St. Louis tonight, being part of the Sunday night broadcast. I was jealous last night when I heard about Albert Pools pitching for the Cardinals, which knowing you and knowing your personality, you loved it when you saw him walk out to the mound. 
Well, first off, I wear a seven and a half shoe, so I can step into anybody's shoes, no matter how. <laughs> Second, it was fabulous. It was a blowout game. I am so happy that baseball, Cardinal fans, Ollie Marmol recognized this game is over. The fans loved it. Everybody loved it. I went scurrying around in my head trying to figure out who's the greatest player other than Babe Ruth to have pitched in a major league game. Willie Mays didn't. Hank Aaron did. Stan Musial had one uh, had faced one batter in his career. Ted Williams pitched in a major league game, but now we've got Albert Pujols who played in more games than anyone in history, having never pitched before for the first time. He was playful about it. So were the Giants. It was really, really a fun night. And for a, you know, a 15 to two game or whatever it was, the fans were standing on their feet the entire time. The look on Albert Pujols' face was unmistakable. It's his final year. He's always wanted to pitch. They gave him a chance, and he pitched in a victory. It's unbelievable. So earlier this year, we had Joey Votto. In fact, it was the opening game of the season, uh, the Reds and the Braves. And we talked a lot during that broadcast because Joey Votto was mic'd up for ESPN about how Votto's personality has emerged as as his career has gone along. Uh, And that – you know, as we get in the last uh, years that, you know, as he said, acknowledged his midlife crisis, he's been having more and more fun. I was watching uh, Albert last night in what he was doing. I'm like, where did that guy come from? Like 15 years ago, Tim, there's no chance Albert Pools be having that much fun on the field. Right. And again, this is why he, this is working for him. By the way, he swung the bat really well last night. He can still hit at age 42, but you're right. He, he's trying to, old cliche, smell smell the roses before he, you know, before he leaves this game. And last night was a perfect example. And I loved it. And the fact that Yadier Molina had a great night, Adam Wainwright had a great night. Three of the five oldest players in the game, active players, played in that game last night. And they all had a really good night, especially Albert because he got to pitch at the end. And the home run he gave up to what was Luis Gonzalez, who was left fielder, who became a pitcher. So technically he was a pitcher who had a home run. I mean, there were so many wonderful moments, especially from that ninth inning. Yeah, it, it was really cool that he was uh, that he that he did that. Uh, you know, and the fact that he agreed to a Sports Center interview with Michael Eves, which you're going to hear in just a, a little while. Uh, again, it's a reflection of where he is in his career. He's just having fun. Do you think there's a chance, based on what we saw last night and how much fun he had, that our friend Eduardo Perez can convince him at some point this season to wear the microphone for us? Uh, well, Eduardo's a very persuasive guy. He's talked me into all sorts of stuff I never thought I would do. Uh, but uh, my guess is that's going a little bit too far with Albert. However, uh, I think all bets are off after last night. He he said he was just trying to throw the ball down the middle, and he didn't care how slowly it was thrown, but he really enjoyed it, and that was great to see. Yeah, how about the way that the other players enjoyed it? Uh, Adam Wainwright, who started for the Cardinals last night, sent this uh, tweet out after the game. He said, don't worry, Pujols5, that's Albert on Twitter, I gave up a home run in my first ever game, too. You'll figure it out, and who knows, 17 years from now, you and A. Uh, Nizer might break me and Yachty's record. 
<laughs> so yeah. they were having fun with it too, Tim. Tell me what you were seeing from your position on the field. Well, I was the dugout guy instead of you last night, Buster. And I looked in the dugout and people were scurrying around and I looked out on the field and there's Albert running out towards the pitcher's mound. And I know he's the designated hitter. And I'm thinking he, he, they, they're not going to let him pitch, are they? Well, as it turned out, they needed a pitcher. So it wasn't like Albert went to them and said, please let me pitch. They said, we need somebody. We're up by 13 runs. And Albert volunteered to do it. He said, I can do it. And they said, are you sure you want to do it? Are you sure you can do it? He goes, sure. And again, that's that's the different Albert Pujols from certainly 21 years ago and um, even the different Albert Pujols from maybe two years ago. Adam or Albert Pujols, in my mind, should be a unanimous selection the first year that his name is on the Hall of Fame ballot. I think Yadier Molina should absolutely get voted to the Hall of Fame. I think with the way standards are shifting, I think eventually Adam Wainwright also makes his speech in the Hall of Fame. As you know, uh, you know this trio, in theory, this is their last year. But I'm going to throw some numbers at you, Tim. I'm just going to raise a question here. Adam Wainwright, seven starts so far this year is a 3.15 ERA. Molina hitting 253 with two homers, right in line with his his past numbers offensively. The Cardinals are ninth out of 30 teams in staff ERA, and you and I both know that's a lot more important number to uh, to Molina than any other. Albert Pools is adjusted OPS plus, and yes, he's not a full time player, but in the role they have him in, his adjusted OPS plus team is plus 132. Do you think there's a chance? that any one of these three guys might revisit the decision to walk away from baseball after this year? I think Yachty's going to be done just because he's a catcher. He's got his 1,000 RBIs. He's got his 2,000 hits. He's got nine gold gloves and 10 All-Star games. He's going to make it to the Hall of Fame. That's not why he's sticking around. I think Albert's going to retire because I don't think, I think he has acknowledged, you know, this is my farewell tour. I don't think he'll want to do it again. I think Adam Wainwright is coming back. I'm guessing here. Uh, He's I'm guessing he's too good to retire. Uh, He's pitching exceptionally well. Buster, the first five innings, he was great last night. His whole start, he was great last night. And there's no reason he should retire. So I think he'll come back. I do. Uh, But I think the other two will retire. So with Wainwright, I I mentioned, I I think at this moment, if the vote were to be held today, he would not get into the Hall of Fame. But he's someone who, as he adds numbers, it's possible that he helps his case. Yes? Well, if he adds numbers, he's going to help his case. And I agree, he's not a Hall of Famer at the moment. But I think he's the greatest number 50 of all time, passing J.R. Richard and... Mookie Betts hasn't gotten there enough, uh, but he, he's been really good. And Buster, we, we have to revisit this. This most wins by a starting battery passing Del Crandall and Warren Spahn is, is remarkable in its own right, given that back then guys stayed on the same teams all the time. Pitchers are going on three days rest. Warren Spahn was the most durable pitcher ever. And to have a twosome from today's game is just remarkable. I mean, they don't have as many starts as Mickey Lolich and Bill Freehand, 324 as a battery, but to have the most wins is incredible. And I think a tribute to St. Louis baseball, once you go there, you want to stay, but mostly a tribute to those two guys who obviously have worked so, so well together all these years. All right. That's that's interesting. I'm going to be looking for to see 
if Adam Wainwright at some point begins to soften a little bit on, uh, you know, the idea that he's going to finish his career at the end of this year. Um, Harrison Bader, the Cardinals center fielder, wore the microphone for us last night. And along the way, Tim, he said this. Give a listen to his conversation with Carl Ravitch and Eduardo Perez. All right, so seriously, so that's it. The, the first, I saw that play. It was an unbelievable effort, but it went off the tip, so that's get rid of the glove. Yeah, the glove is gone. Put it on the mantle. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Uh, it's a good color scheme. Was that the glove you won the gold glove with? I mean, That was not. No, okay. that was not. That one's actually um, frozen in a, a chamber somewhere. That, uh, wait, wait. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, when I retire, I'm gonna have all my stuff in there. So it's, it's very deep underground in New York where no one can touch it. Yeah. So I can see that. All right, I got Tim. I, I, I need an interpretation from you. You were there. You heard this. You know Harrison Bader's personality. Is he serious that he's frozen his gold glove? Uh, uh, literally, his gold glove. The uh, the piece of equipment that he won that award with. Well, I didn't ask him, but knowing him the way that I do, I think he's telling the truth. I think he loves his defense and his gloves so much that when he wins one, he's going to put it in a place where no one can ever touch it. And if it's frozen somewhere and it's actually safe, I wouldn't be surprised. He's that much of a peculiar guy in a really fun way with his hair, the way he dresses, the way he talks. It's fabulous. By the way, Darwin Barney, you remember him, the little middle infielder, oh, yeah. little second baseman was a great defender. He made, he used to keep five gloves and break them in systematically. Okay. And he, he only used his gamer and then four other gloves were in line to replace his gamer. So he made an error in Washington one night backhanding a ball and he took that glove, which was his gamer and he threw it in the trash can. He didn't put it on the mantle like Harrison Bader did. He threw it in the trash can because it was no longer worthy of being his gamer. That's how guys look at their game gloves. The great defenders do. So maybe Harrison Bader said, all right, he had a good run, but that ball in left center, you got to catch that ball, even though it was a tremendous effort. So I'm not surprised he got rid of it and went to something else. And of course, his glove is now aqua colored or something like that. It was just hilarious. All right. So the Cincinnati Reds actually in the last 10 days or so have played better. And yet they become a team that didn't allow any hits and they still lost. The name that I'm sure, Tim, that you and I were on the same page last night as I was hearing about what was uh, what happened in the Reds game. The name that kept popping into my head was that of Harvey Haddock's. You want to tell that story? And, and what was your reaction to what happened uh, in that game yesterday? Well, Harvey Haddix pitched 12 perfect innings, 36 up, 36 down, and went into the 13th inning with a perfect game, but of course the score tied. So Hank Aaron got on base. Joe Adcock hit a home run. It was a walk-off. Hank Aaron, by the way, ran off the field. So he didn't run around the bases. So technically, Joe Adcock passed him on the bases and didn't even get credit for a home run. But Harvey Haddock's got the loss in that game. And Bill Mazeroski told me, couple of years ago, he said, you know, after a while, we all just went up to Harvey and told it because he was sitting there in the clubhouse like, I can't believe I just lost after pitching 12 
perfect innings. And Mazeroski told him that that's one of the greatest games anyone has ever pitched. It obviously is the greatest 12 innings anyone's ever pitched. And he said, then we took Harvey out for a beer to try to make him feel better. But he ended up walking around like the city all night, wondering like, how in the world could I have lost that game? And that's kind of what happened to the Reds yesterday. Buster, the poor Reds, they throw a no-hitter and lose one to nothing. It's just kind of symbolic of what they're going through at the moment. Yeah, I know it's too bad because I feel like like Hunter Green yesterday, I hope like Harvey Haddock's back in, what was that, 1959, right, or 1958? Yes. Yeah, so I hope that that Hunter Green can process the game in the way that the other members, the Pirates, wanted uh, Haddock's to process the game in that we've seen Hunter Green have terrible games in recent weeks. He struggled with his command, like a lot of rookies. He's trying to figure it out. Tim, t- for him to have a game like that, to bounce back like that, I think is a great sign of progress. Yeah, that, that kid's going to be great. As you know, Buster, he throws 100. And I was told all along he's just a little wild in the strike zone. And because he's been so dominant with that fastball, he hasn't really brought along his secondary pitches, his breaking ball. And yet yesterday he threw 65 sliders, which is a great sign for him that he didn't just throw that many no-hit innings. He did it without throwing all fastballs like he usually does. He's going to be a great pitcher someday. Last last Yesterday was a great step forward for him, and it's only a matter of time before he's uh, one of the elite pitchers in the major leagues. I got to work alongside Matt Biscurge on Sunday Night Baseball for a few years. I had a blast. Uh, Matt, great teammate. And I felt a little defensive uh, on his behalf, Tim, when I saw this tweet by Michelle Tafoya, of course, uh, you know, great sideline reporter has been in the uh, for NBC in the past. Does a great job. She tweeted out uh, Tim on Saturday about the Angels broadcast. She actually tagged the Angels broadcast at Angels broadcast. Enough with the Otani baseball chatter. So she's like, I'm done hearing about Shohei Otani, and I tweeted back because again, you know, knowing Matt and knowing Matt's not going to respond on social media, I tweeted back. Felt the same way about the Tom Brady coverage. Why spend all that time talking about a player doing stuff no one ever has? How about a geez, grab an old lineman for that first ba- first post-game interview to talk blitz adjustment just to mix it up? Michelle knows it, right? You're gonna focus on the stars. And that's what we gotta do with Otani. How can we not talk about Otani, Tim? Here's what Otani did over the weekend, Buster. He he got to 100 homers and 50 career steals in fewer games than all but five players in Major League history. He tied with Eric Davis, who's one of the most athletic players in the history of the sport. And that's who he tied to get fewest games to 100 homers and 50 seals. And do I have to remind you, Otani's a pitcher. Every day he is doing something that is so staggering that anyone who suggests enough with Otani, I say every day more with Otani. Please give me more because that number was just overwhelming. How in the world can he get to 100 homers and 50 steals faster than all those guys and tie with Eric Davis? That's ridiculous. It's amazing. Just a warning, 
the future Angels broadcast. We'll be talking a lot about Otani. We'll be talking a lot about Otani here on the podcast. We'll be hearing about Otani all summer. As Joe Bad said to me last year, you know what? We might never see this season again in 100 years. Well, he's having a similar type season, the season we wouldn't see. You know, to Joe, maybe in 100 years, he's having another season like that. Of course, we're going to talk about Shohei Otani. Tim, thanks for doing this. This is like Tom Brady leading the league in touchdown passes and interceptions in the same year. You don't think we would talk about that? Defensive interceptions, you mean? Yes, as a defensive back, not as a quarterback. Yeah, I think Michelle would interview that Tom Brady after every game, as everybody does, because he's Tom Brady, and this is Shohei Otani. That's the way it goes. (laughs) Oh, Okay, Buster. Thanks. I'm exhausted. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NexGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. After Sunday Night Baseball, Albert Pujol spoke with Michael Eaves on SportsCenter. Albert, look, I was going to ask you about jumping on Carlos Radon early and how great Yachty and Wainwright are, but all of a sudden I see you out on the mound here in the ninth inning. I need to know how that happened. How did you get out there? Well, they needed somebody, you know, volunteer to get out there, and uh, I think they were looking for it. I was like, hey, I'll go out there. And they're like, you sure? I was like, why not? So this is always like a dream, true, <laughs> dream come true for me, you know. It was, uh, it was fun to be out there, and definitely it's not easy, you know. Uh, 
being in uh, first base, you know, third base early in my career, now getting on the mound out there, I mean, you need to get credit a lot of these guys sometimes. It's not easy to throw a strike out there. And I was just trying to just throw the ball down the middle, you know? Right. I mean, obviously the first time in your career that you've been on the mound in a major league game, you said this is a dream come true. How long had you considered hopefully having an opportunity to pitch in a major league game? Well, last year, I think that was an opportunity, and Justin Turner took them on. But, uh, you know, uh, like I said, you know, again like this, we need to save our bullpen, you know. We, we've we been using our bullpen a lot, and then we go on the on the seven-day road trip, you know. Uh, we're going tomorrow to New York, and uh, we need our bullpen to be ready to go. So if, if it's saving one arm or two arm, you know, I get out there, and it's, you know, to buy, give up, you know, a couple of home runs. But uh, it's also, uh, I'm pretty sure my kids are laughing at home, you know, right now looking at that. Yeah, you didn't get the save, you didn't get the win, but you did get the ball to uh, add to your Hall of Fame collection. Uh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Albert, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, Albert, because even when you were an opposing player and you came back to St. Louis, the fans always gave you a great reception. So I know for you, at the, towards the end of your career now, to go back there meant a lot to you. What has been the most surprising aspect of your return to St. Louis after so many years? Well, nothing surprised me. We had the best fans in baseball, you know. I mean, uh, I experienced that for 11 years uh, back in 2019 when I came here after I left for the first time. I mean, the, the way that they embraced me last year coming through with the Dodgers. I mean, that's why we had the best fans in baseball. So nothing surprised me. I think that, you know, I just thank God for giving me an opportunity, you know, to come back here where everything starts for me. And uh, I just try to enjoy as much as I can. And at the same time, try to help this ball club, you know, whenever uh, I'm out there in the field. If not, then try to be the best cheerleader uh, for the guys on the bench and the guys that are playing. So, and that's my goal, you know. Uh, I know this is my last year and uh, everybody want to talk about it. But at the end of the day, it's about focusing, about bringing a championship, you know, uh, this year to the city of San Luis. Well, speaking of that, you've been on some really good teams, obviously, during your career. And we're now here in the middle of May getting towards um, June, from what you can tell right now, Albert, what is the potential of this ball club as you see it? Yeah, I think, you know, what, what's crazy, we're only like uh, one and a half or two games out. You know, we haven't played our best baseball yet. You know, obviously our offense tonight uh, was going, uh, you know, we start early, you know, with Goshman, you know, hitting that two-run hundred. We, we scored four, four runs in the first inning and against probably one of the best pitchers in the game right now, right now in Rondon, you know, and, uh, but I think uh, this is, this is a sign, you know, what we have here, you know, opened out on the lineup with the speed, different, the way that these guys play different, you know, Nolan Goshman on the right side, Tommy, you know, and, and then Sosa making some amazing play in this series, you know, I think, and then don't even talk about the outfield, you know, if you hit a ball in the air, if it stays in the park, you know, we're going to catch those baseball too. So I think uh, when you look at overall, I think, uh, you know, just being healthy and just try to get things going. So hopefully tonight we get our offense going and then especially, you know, going to New York, you know, in the next four days there, we need our offense, you know, because they have a power 14 too. Two hits, two walks. He gave up two home runs, but what a night it was for Albert Pujols. <laughs> Albert, we appreciate the time, man. Uh, continue to have fun this year, man. We're, we're having fun watching you play. Thank you, guys. God bless you. This is the Numbers Game with Sarah Langs. Sarah Langs, reporter, producer for MLB.com. Sarah, how are you doing on this Monday? Doing great, Buster. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm still, I was not at the game yesterday on Sunday Night Baseball, but I, it was fun to see the uh, the highlights from last night with Albert Pujols pitching 
Uh, I talked to Tim about the joy that Albert had in that moment. It got me thinking this morning, because you're someone who draws the joy out of baseball so much. What's the most enjoyable moment we've had early this season? Because here are my two candidates, and I, I have a hard time picking between these two. One, when Anthony Rendon hit that left-handed home run, <laughs> I, was, I thought it was cool that he did it, but what I thought was just as cool was how when he did it, I got the feeling the old school part of Anthony Rendon was like, mm, I don't know if I should have done that. And he ran around the bases with his head down. He didn't want to smile or celebrate, even though there was a position player on the mound. And the second candidate for the most fun thing that happened in baseball this year, Travis Darneau getting hit by about a 55-mile-an-hour pitch from Brett Phillips and Darnell flopping like he'd been hit in the neck by a Nolan Ryan fastball and everybody having a great laugh on the field. What about you? Those were amazing. I mean, I feel like we've gotten five Brett Phillips moments already this year. We had him, we've had him pitch, what, twice, three times. We had that crazy catch he made when he was pitching and he ran like 90 feet to make a catch by, uh, by the visiting dugout, uh, yeah, I think that was absolutely outstanding. But Albert Pujols last night has to be one of the top moments. I mean, the smile, the Adam Wainwright tweet I saw this morning, I didn't see it last night, but he tweeted, hey, don't worry, Albert, I also gave up a home run in my debut. And then he said, hey, maybe in 17 years, you and Andrew Kisner will tie Yachty and my record or break our record. <laughs> I mean, that was absolutely outstanding. So, I mean, just a great, great moment there. All right, let's play the numbers game. Number three. Number three is zero. So speaking of some pretty crazy moments we've had this year, the Pirates yesterday did not get a hit and they won the game. So the Reds did not throw a no-hitter because they did not throw nine innings. It has to be nine innings to be a no-hitter. But it was the sixth time since at least 1900 that a team has not gotten a hit and won a game. So the last time this happened was the Dodgers in 2008. A lot of people remember that game. It was started by the Angels, by Jared Weaver. Of course, there's Andy Hawkins that I think a lot of people think about when you think about no-hitters and losing. Again, not official no-hitters, but pretty crazy. And I love baseball that something that seems so outlandish has happened six times since 1900. But that was just a crazy game. I mean, for me, I was working. I was going through things. We're getting ready. We're in no-hitter protocol. All of a sudden, the Pirates score, and it's like, wait, this isn't no-hitter protocol because it's not going to be a no-hitter, which is just crazy to me. Number two. Number two is 100. So over the weekend, Shohei Otani hit his 100th and then his 101st career home runs. So, you know, there's a lot of notes. We're always talking about Babe Ruth. But what I wanted to take a look at was most career strikeouts as a pitcher for players to hit at least 100 career home runs. So we have Babe Ruth, 501 strikeouts and, of course, 714 career home runs. We have Otani, 268 strikeouts on the mound, the 101 uh, home runs now. And then next on the list, I just thought this was fun. George Sisler, 63 strikeouts as a pitcher, 102 home runs. <laughs> Number one. 
Number one is 42. So that's how old Albert Pools is. 42 years, 119 days. We've talked about this already. He was the second oldest player to make his pitching debut since at least 1900. The only guy older to make his pitching debut was Lena Blackburn in 1929. 42 years and 225 days old. So pretty close to where Albert is. That was just an amazing moment. And I feel like we got a lot of really cool position player pitching moments out of last night because Luis Gonzalez, who also pitched for the Giants, ended up getting four outs. He homered off of Albert. He becomes the first player to homer as a pitcher this year because Otani has not homered in the start yet. So oh. it's just amazing. <laughs> that's, that's really funny. Just out of curiosity, uh, Sarah, is there any, you have any, uh, know anything about the backstory about the oldest player to make his pitching debut? There's got to be something because when you said 1929, my mind goes, okay, what's going on in the world? Like if it had been a player in the early 40s, you would have said, well, that's World War II, right? Uh, 1929. That would have happened before the, uh, you know, the the Wall Street crash. So that didn't have anything to do with that. Uh, maybe it was just a friend doing a favor for a friend or something like that. And you know, I honestly don't know. I'm pulling up the Saber bio right now, but I feel like it just had to have been a weird moment. Yeah. Um, in the game because his Saber bio doesn't even mention it. So I don't think it was like a notable moment. Maybe it was kind of like Albert, end of his career, and he said, hey, I've always wanted to do this. All right, before we go, I wanted to get, ask you if you saw the uh, tweet by Michelle Tafoya. I, I mentioned that I, uh, you know, I feel a little defensive upon, um, on behalf of my old friend Matt Biscursion. Uh, like, come on. And also Michelle has been doing, you know, broadcasts for, you know, and done such a great job. And she knows, like, the broadcasts are going to focus on stars, and there's no bigger star in baseball right now than Shohei Otani. I've never seen a complaint for too much Otani content. If anything, I don't think there's enough. So I saw that, and, you know, I don't know what she was expecting. Maybe more trout? I mean, you know, we got to balance that somehow. But overall, I mean, not enough Otani, if you ask me. Exactly. All right, Sarah, thanks for doing this. Great to see you. Thanks so much for having me. Over the weekend, Giants manager Gabe Kapler spoke with our Boog Shambi. Jim, thanks very much. And here with Gabe Kapler, the manager of the San Francisco Giants, we get ready for Sunday Night Baseball, and we get a look at Carlos Rodon, a left-hander you guys signed as a free agent. Talk to me a little bit about that fastball of his and how dominant it's been and what it's been like to watch. It's really interesting. I, I think this is one of the tougher hitting environments that we've had. And part of the reason I believe that is pitchers like Carlos Rodon, who's learned how to harness um, what may be one of the better fastballs in the game um, and then be able to get in the zone with it consistently over and over. It's amazing to see some of the good hitters around the game be geared up for that fastball and not be able to catch up to it. Now, look, there have been some foul balls that have driven his pitch count up. Um, in the early stages of this season, but I still think Carlos has, has room to grow and get better. I want to follow up on what you just said, the idea of right now being as difficult a hitting environment maybe as we've ever seen. It's multiple factors, right? Because you have 
bullpens now that are effectively being weaponized, where it's not you're going to the bullpen because you have to, you're going to the bullpen because you want to, and a bunch of other reasons as well. Right. I'll give you a good example. We added Union Marte today. So Union Marte is a young arm um, who we signed as a, a minor league free agent. And historically, when you add a piece to the bullpen, like we did for this reason, it's to give you a little bit more pitching for the game. So you can see the middle innings going Junior Marte, Junior Marte for a couple. Now, years ago, and maybe not that long ago even, that guy would have been a strike thrower that had good solid 93 and straight fastball could get in the zone over and over. And Junior Marte throws 100 miles an hour. He was 98 to 100 uh, with a nasty slider. So what's limiting Junior from sticking in a major league bullpen is the ability to be in the zone with those two pitches consistently over a long period of time. But that, that movement profile, that velocity as like the last guy in your bullpen is really what's made the game so difficult right now, along with some other factors that are outside of hitters' controls, like perhaps the baseball is a little bit different, perhaps it's been a little bit cooler in the year, perhaps the game planning is a little bit better, perhaps the pitcher on the mound understands his own arsenal a little bit more. Um, I I get a weird question for you to finish with, and that is, go back to last year. What was fun about last year? What did you enjoy the most about last season and what you guys did as a group? It's so interesting that um, you use that word, the word fun. I was just texting with a friend about it. It's not a word that really describes baseball on any level for me. So when I think about fun, I think about being on a roller coaster as a child or jet skiing. And, and, and baseball's a grind, right? It's, it's very rewarding. It's very satisfying. And what satisfies me and is rewarding to me is the, the non-selfish, team-first approach that our entire club embodies. It's a culture. Those bring me a lot of satisfaction. I just wouldn't classify that as fun, but from last year, I think that's my biggest takeaway. And I I have to add that it's taking everything in my being to not finish this interview with have fun tonight because that's That's who I am. (laughs) You listen, like big smile, laughing all the time, fun. I'm kind of more of a serious, stoic dude, and uh, we all have to be ourselves. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Bleacher Tweets. Alrighty, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for Amundi. We got a whole raft of them. PK Steinberg is up first. PK writes in, since he signed his seven-year contract with the National, Strasburg has spent more time on the IL than on the active roster. It seems. Does he get full salary? Is the team getting any breaks with insurance? How's that work? Always wondered. Yeah, he absolutely is getting full salary. That's why, you know, when these deals are baseball deals are... Generally speaking, we talk about the guaranteed money, and I think his was $245 million. It's all guaranteed. He'll get all that money. Now, when it comes to insurance, it just depends player to player and whether or not the team can get insurance. You know, through the years, a lot of teams, if they get insurance on a player, uh, let's say that I, you know, got insurance on Taylor Schwink and he's making $20 million a year, it would be about three quarters that you would recoup, three quarters uh, of his salary. That's why in a lot of cases, like in the last year, Jacoby Ellsbury was on the Yankees roster. Their preference was that he stayed on the injured list, I think. You know, if he had been uh, wanted to play and, and come back and play, that they, they would have been okay with that. But their preference, I think, was to just recoup the insurance money. That makes sense to me. At Golf Life Rag writes in with Jeff Passan. Wait, you're not going to say anything? I got you making $20 million a year, dude. That's very nice of you, Buster. You're you're such a generous guy. That's why I like you. At Golf Life Rag (laughs) up next. 
Uh, Golf Life Rag. This is always fun. Uh, he writes in this person with Jeff Passan and Nicole Briscoe completely ignoring. There was another team on the field for the Yankees game on baseball tonight. Will Buster admit that he and the ESPN hate the White Sox? I love these questions because I can't tell if they're sincere or not. And I don't really care because uh, I really like the why does Buster hate my favorite team? Why do you hate him, Buster? Yeah, uh, the, the big lead did a, uh, a whole uh, presentation of, of that being said by fans. I think it's just, just about every team, 29 of the 30 teams or 30 of the 30, 30 teams. I can't remember. But golf life, guess who's on Sunday Night Baseball this week? The White Sox against yes. the Yankees. We'll probably talk more about the Yankees. No, just kidding. <laughs> Brian Roll at Brian Baseball 5 writes in, if Nestor Cortez Jr. continues pitching like this all year, do you think he'll get serious consideration for the Cy Young or will voters be biased against him because he doesn't have dominant stuff and isn't a big name? No, he definitely would get consideration. In fact, I can't remember I heard it. Oh, it was on ESPN New York. The hosts were talking this morning about how Nestor Cortez right now, you can make a case he's the best pitcher in the American League. In terms of his performance. Now, if you held a draft, would he be the first guy that general managers, excuse me, would take? Absolutely not uh, because of the stuff. But in terms of his performance, you can't argue against it. He's been tremendous. For sure. By the way, nope. Golf Life Rag, guess who was my choice to win the Cyan Award before the season started? Dylan Cease of the White Sox. Mm. Go ahead, Taylor. <laughs> that, that's a great point, Buster. He uh, obviously missed that podcast. Uh, we'll forgive him for that. Uh, Sal Zavarse at Fiesta underscore jazz. Greeting from Australia. Love the podcast. Good day, Saul. Uh, Saul writes, and why care so much about losing pitch framing, converting a ball into a strike? It's a skill to cheat. Getting the call right every time will be the best that can happen for baseball, period. Yeah, so um, I, I didn't specify, so I apologize about this. I wasn't talking exactly about pitch framing as much as I was about the the job of being a catcher, right? Uh, of handling pitchers, of calming a pitcher, of of getting the pitcher into the right tempo, of talking to the home plate umpire, which I think is an art, which I love to talk to catchers about. Like if a umpire blows a call and you're the catcher, what do you do? Do you explode at him? Or do you just keep your 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 uh, your face mask focused at the at the pitcher and gently try to coax the the umpire to giving you different uh, you know a different strike zone? Either way, there's just so many nuances to that position, and they've been developed and refined over the years, especially in recent years by the Molina brothers. I, I just it'd be a bummer to lose all that. It's mm-hmm. an important part of the sport. John Zengurley at John underscore Zengurley writes in which team was expected to be bad this year, but has done better than expected. I got the Diamondbacks at 18 and 17. I had no thought that that was going to be a team that was going to approach 500 being in the same division as the Dodgers and the Giants and the Padres, you know, even the Rockies at 17 and 17, you know, after they trade Arnato, story leaves, John Gray leaves as a free agent. And here they are sitting at 500. That's impressive. Last one for today, Jarek McInnes at Cupstradamus writes in, okay, so we have the no-hitter, the combined no-hitter, the Bumgarner, now the eight-inning loss no-hitter. Does this one still count as a no-no? I think the answer is no. <laughs> no. Uh, from what I you know, was uh, reading last night, I, I can't say I've independently made calls to Major League Baseball to confirm that, but no, I don't think it does. I think it's uh, you know a, a case where... Uh, we're always going to remember that the Pirates got no hits and won. 
That's it for today. My thanks to Tim, Sarah, Sarah, and Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus Chews provides one-and-done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NexGuard Plus Chews.